Welcome to Doctrine and Devotion, a podcast exploring Christian faith and practice from a Reformed Baptist perspective. Perspective! (laughs) I thought you were done with that. Nope. Uh, My name is Joe Thorne. I'm the lead pastor of Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles, Illinois. And I'm Jimmy Fowler, elder candidate at Redeemer Fellowship. That's Fofo. With the Jojo. How you doing, man? Doing good. I'm enjoying. It's a nice Saturday. Um, Yeah, we're out in the garage. We've got the table set up. We got the mic set up. Our mic swivel stand set up. These 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 uh, arms, these mic arms that we're yeah. using, are, baller. They're pretty awesome. Yeah, I can move around. I can, oh, oh, I can lean back. Well, I can move forward. This is a pocket. I can't what see is? what you're doing. No, but you can't see. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that good? Yeah. See. Oh, Great. Ah. it's more money we're spending. It's awesome. Um, Don't tell my wife. I got in trouble. I got in trouble. So she bad. saw these mic stands, didn't she? She did. Yeah. She did. She's like, hey, uh, something came in the mail for you today. I was like, oh, yeah, cool. Don't open it. She's like, too late. I was like, dang it. Uh, <laughs> you just blame it on me. Joe's so short. If we don't use that arm, he, he can't. He, no, actually, she said that. She goes, oh, I understand. It's probably for Joe, isn't it? And yeah. I said, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm a little diva. I need, I need something. <laughs> Man, it is nice out, and uh, it's good to do this outside and enjoy God's creation. Yeah. With all the sound, so when you hear the crickets and birds and I don't know what else is there. Cigars. Cigars. They hear that. We're outside. So uh, today, uh, we just decided a couple minutes ago mm-hmm. <laughs> we were going to talk about leadership. Leadership. And uh, we're going to spend the whole time in the book of Nehemiah. All right. No, we're not Okay, I'm about to say no. it. I hate, I hate it when people do that. But it's a good book to talk about leadership, though. Uh, you don't think so? Re- no. Stop. I think so. stop it, stop it. No, I think it's good organizationally for no. me. For someone okay. like me, Look. for someone like me that's built Nehemiah, like that way. Okay, l- let me break it down for you. Okay, just like I broke it down for Mark Dever. Okay, let me break it down for you. <laughs> Nehemiah hmm. is not about leadership. Oh, okay. What is it about? Okay, yes. I okay. Fine. It's about God restoring You're His Jesus glory. This. No, I'm not. Yes, it's about you are. it. It, it yes, is. You it are. is not about leadership. There, you can find leadership principles in almost every book of the Bible. Fine, but Fair people enough, but- turn Nehemiah into a book on leadership, and that's not what it is. If you are missing God bringing about revival to His people, then you are missing through the, the leadership of no, an individual. No, no, no. no. That's Praise not through God, the leadership. Praise God for Nehemiah. Nehemiah equipping him. Yeah. To to lead. Oh, wow, the focus of the whole story, Nehemiah. Ne- okay, like, we, we both, both know. We both know. It's like it's like when we say, okay, Jonah is not about the whale. It's not about someone being swallowed up. You by would the say whale. it's about Jonah, though. That's what I like. That's wrong. I would say it's about how God restores and loves a people, right? Despite the messenger. Yes. Okay, but nonetheless, it, okay. There's lots of things that are going on. You're every, making my point right now. I am no. I'm agreeing with your point. Yes, thank you. All right, so let's talk about. But disagreeing with your. Uh, mm-hmm. With what? What are you disagreeing with, Jimmy? Say it. Oh, what? I'm going to say it. Say it. Your narrow-mindedness. Oh well, that's what all liberal people say. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> Hillary so, sixteen. Oh, don't. Jimmy is not voting <laughs> for Hillary. In fact, if you don't know, we may have covered this, but in case we didn't. Uh, Oh, Jimmy don't, don't. has a pretty strong tie to Donald Trump. I do not have a strong tie. Well, all I know is that uh, you voted for him on some internet okay, poll. Okay, I have never voted for him. All right, you, your what, email did. All right, well, you did it through my email. 
they will not stop. I will not. I have unsubscribed from yeah. Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. I've had to unsubscribe from Donald Trump Jr. Jr. Yeah. I've had to unsubscribe. Uh, is that working? No, it's not. Oh, it's I've not. had to unsubscribe yeah. from mm-hmm. uh, the RNC. Yeah, you're and in, man. And then Priebus or whatever his name is. I have to. I keep unsubscribing, and yet they still hit me up. Like Jimmy, now is the time for no, us to man. defeat right. Hillary. No, perseverance of the Trump. Oh God. <laughs> I need to like report. Isn't that harassment though? If you're if you are unsubscribing multiple times and they're still sending it to you, I feel like that's harassment. Maybe somebody keeps adding you. If you are, that is no, really I'm not sick doing of you. that. I did it one time, and then I used your email to vote for Trump on an internet poll. So that was awesome. So we're going to talk about uh, leadership because a we are leaders and we value this. We get a lot of questions and emails about leadership about Jimmy's elder candidacy. He says on every episode, elder candidate Jimmy Fowler. People are asking like, hey, when's he done? Yeah, how long is he? Isn't it like uh, like three years now? He still hasn't done it. Like how uh, long? No, has it been? it's been less than a year. Okay, so but it feels like three years. Um, so we want to talk about leadership. We want to talk about. Um, what you should be looking for in leaders at your local church, yeah. how you can encourage your leaders, and if you are aspiring to leadership or if you are a leader, what needs to be true. We, we also want to talk about the, some of the dangers that we're seeing. One of the, what I think, people ask a lot, like what is, the, what is the, the hot button issue? What is a critical issue in the church today? And for my money, it is, because I'm a gambling man, uh, for my money, it is the issue of leadership and bad leadership among elders and pastors in particular. Now, as part of that, because of, uh, it feels like recently within the last year, we've seen a number of prominent leaders, uh, Christian leaders, who have been removed or have stepped down uh, because of sin. Right. I think that um, that's a big part of it. I think we also have a lot of public examples of leadership abusing their power. Mm. And you know they like. What do you mean by that? Like, give, oh, I guess we'll get to that example. Well, yeah. Well, I think that there are, there are churches out there whose leadership has practiced church discipline in an unbiblical and ungodly manner. Are you referring to no one in particular? There's a couple, both okay. inside our own network and outside of it, in our own denomination and outside of it. All right, I, fair I, we see it all over the place where church discipline has not been handled well. Um, of course, we've, we've we've seen some come back from that and, and repent and change yeah. things, so that's great. That's the only reason why I was thinking about referring them, because they came back from that. So I, I think that there are there are a lot of bad examples, and my, my real concern with bad leadership is twofold. One, there is a lack of accountability for many church elder teams or elder boards, and there is a lack of transparency. Uh, among the leadership to the congregation, mm. so frequently you'll see. So hold on, is it? Yeah. Are you saying both accountability and transparency? There's a lack of both of those to the congregation, or are you just because the way you worded it, it sounded like there's a lack of trans, or there's a lack of accountability, and then there's a lack of transparency to the congregation. Or are you saying the accountability is to the t- congregation as well? There is accountability to the congregation okay. as well. Yes. Right. So uh, thanks for clarifying that. I think that when we're looking at abusive churches or abusive leadership, um, we're, we're, we're oftentimes seeing people who are acting uh, in a way that's not only contrary to scripture or in ways that are harmful to other people and to the mission of the church, but there is no recourse for the body yeah. uh, to bring about correction or change. There is 
really nothing that can be done or said. There's no account. There's no who holds the elders accountable. Well, the elders hold the elders accountable. A lot of people would say, whereas Baptists would say, well, no, the congregation can hold the elders elders accountable, and the congregation can ultimately remove an elder or an elder team mm. if they so see fit. Now they have to have a certain percentage of the vote to do this, but I think that is an appropriate safeguard. So there should be some level of accountability, and it's, it can look at, uh, in different ways. I think the, the accountability should happen within the elder team towards one another, yeah. but also outside of it. And the accountability within the congregation. So we're not referring though to you know there's some denominations that have other state levels and other national levels that they can appeal to uh, within. For, for Southern Baptists or Baptists in general, we don't really necessarily have that. We can You can bring it up and ask for intervention. Yeah, but there's no authority. But there is no authority to, to act. Right. So if, with, with the Presbyterians, though, they can appeal to uh, the General Assembly yeah. or something like that. So forgive my ignorance, my Pato friends. I'm, I'm not Presbyterian, but I know that there is a hierarchy there to which you can appeal for help in this. So regardless of what the structure is, there needs to be a mechanism by which leaders are held accountable when they go astray. Yeah. And if that isn't there, there's a real problem. I wouldn't go to a church or belong to a church where mm-hmm. le- leaders could not be held accountable and where there isn't transparency. And by transparency, I, I, I mean that the elders are open with the congregation in terms of the money that is spent, the salaries yes. that are appointed, the, um, the decisions, the, the ideas, the agendas. Uh, not everything can be shared because some things are sensitive and private, but in general, most, um, most of the issues that the congregation is going to care about uh, are things that the elders should be very open and honest about. So those are the two big things that I'm seeing in churches, particularly in larger churches, where uh, communication is very, very important, um, but where transparency sometimes is significantly lacking, though it's not a church size issue. So, okay, what would you then say is, okay, let's start with accountability. All right. Um, How do the elders uh, hold each other accountable and then how can members hold the elders accountable? Well, you, we ought to have, in, in Reformed Baptist life, we talk about something called parity. And parity is that the elders all hold equal authority. That even if there is a recognition of first among equals, where maybe the senior pastor or the lead pastor is oftentimes looked to for vision, maybe because of his education or his unique giftedness, ultimately yeah. all the elders have shared uh, authority and responsibility so that they hold one another accountable. This means not one man runs the show. There is uh, no pope. The there pastor is not a pope. There is no pope. There is it's an, a redeemer. It's not the Joe show. Um, it's the faux show. It's the it's faux show. It it it, it is the elders who work together. We don't mm-hmm. move forward unless we are in agreement. And oftentimes, the ideas that one of us will bring up, myself definitely included, will bring up ideas like, "Here's a great idea. What do you think about this, guys?" And the elders will sit around and talk about it. And oftentimes, the elders who have insight into areas where I don't, they'll say, "Well, there are five problems with that, Joe." And it might make this an impossibility Mm -hmm. or that's a bad idea. We think about it and this is why. And we have to be able to trust our elders. So there's that internal accountability. Yeah. And I think, I think I've really, for me, uh, 
through this process, this uh, this elder candidacy process, that's been a huge eye opener for me. Was you know in the previous context, I I feel like the elders were or the the lead elder, whatever you want to call that, the senior pastor, lead pastor was a pope, and it was there was difficulty, right? It was either that the the it was either the pastor was a pope or the pastor was a pawn, right? And there was no real parity among them. Uh, and so coming into this context and seeing, you know, you seeing Pastor Pat uh, and seeing all the elders together, um, respecting each other, honoring each other, loving each other, um, but also holding each other accountable has been something big for me to the point where I remember coming in and struggling with sharing my thoughts. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, am I sharing too much? Like. I, I shouldn't talk. Who am I to? You speak? would overqualify everything. Like, I know I'm not an elder right now. I'm just. Uh, I hope I'm not overstepping. Exactly. And what did we say to you? Uh, no, we brought you on to give an opinion. Shut up and give your opinion. Yeah. Shut up and talk. Shut up and talk. Yeah. <laughs> quit. Quit qualifying it. We ain't got time for you to qualify every single thing. Uh, just say what you need to say. Uh, and so it was really refreshing to to witness that and to to see that. As, as elders holding each other accountable and in particular watching you get shot down in your ideas because like I said in my previous I, I feel like before I would see you know this is this is thus thus speaketh the pastor yeah right right culture of honor son you do what I say and you you take care of what I want done. I'm God's messenger I'm God's messenger and I will disseminate what's it what's the word disseminate yeah I will disseminate it to the masses yeah, so the, the, the parity thing is important, that internal accountability. And when it comes to the congregation, um, th- for there to be real accountability yeah. between the, the congregation and the elders, there has to be, A, there, there has to be transparency, right? Mm-hmm. They have to be able to know and see, like, well, this is what's happening. Yeah. Nothing is being hidden. And the, the congregation has to have the freedom to approach the elders without fear of being you know, shut down yeah. and... Now, obviously, if somebody makes a false accusation against an elder, that's taken very seriously. But when there is questions, concern, or a rebuke that is needed, it needs to be received. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking of Matthew 18. First right. and foremost, part of that accountability is, as a member, uh, going to the elder, maybe you know, an elder or the elder group, and, and sharing what you're seeing or what you're feeling uh, and asking for that clarity. Right. And I think even in first Timothy uh, chapter five talks about that is that, you know, do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. And as for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all. And I think that all is not just members. I think that's actually the elders in the presence of all the elders so that the rest may stand in fear. Hmm. This healthy, this healthy awe, this healthy respect, this healthy understanding, um, that we are called to serve mm-hmm. and we will, we will be held accountable for how we serve and care for God's people. Yeah. And so, you know, if there is a problem, the, uh, the, uh, a member should feel free to come to an elder and say, Hey, I have a concern. That's not a charge. You know, that, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's a one-on-one issue. That's fine. The charge right. is like bringing it before everyone and saying, this exactly. is a problem. And there, and in that case, you need to have witnesses. I mean, listen, uh, there, I hear people say a lot that, you know, well, pastors are held to a higher standard. And usually it's given in the context of, uh, Jimmy, you should put out that um, my father Connecticut that you're smoking. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. You should put that out because you're held to a higher standard. 
I usually hear that. And so on many occasions, I've told people elders, pastors are not held to a higher standard. And they say, what do you mean? And I say, well, what do you mean? If you're saying that they're held to a higher standard, higher than what? Higher than God's standard? I mean, what standard are you talking about? Mm. The Bible determines the standard uh, for godliness. Yeah. Now, elders are held to that standard. Absolutely. Yeah. But nothing higher than that. And really, the, the standard held for elders is the standard that is in place for all people outside of teaching and the responsibility to govern and oversee. So then what's underlying that thought of elders being, when someone says as a, as a member, you elders are held to a higher standard, is it maybe a justification for their own sin? Uh, you know what I mean? It like a justification be. for feeling like, well, I'm, I'm not at that level. I'm not a pastor. I'm, I'm not a pastor. This. I'm not that spiritually qualified. You know, I can I can go ahead and... And I don't know, I'm just saying, get drunk, gossip, cuss, whatever else. I could do mm-hmm. what I could do what I want because I'm not I'm not at that same level. Yeah. But do you think there's some truth to it though, in there the is. sense that uh people are looking to us. We right. have to be aware. I think you have to understand that we're being watched. Yeah. And and the so the standard is the standard of righteousness, the standard of godliness. Mm-hmm. And in first Timothy four twelve, we're told, Let no one despise you for your youth. This is what Paul says to the young pastor Timothy, right? Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. So there is part of the standard mm. that we are held to. And Timothy and every pastor ought to be an example in their speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. That is a, those are legitimate concerns that that need to be addressed if yeah. if if something is is out of step there. So yes, there is a high standard that elders are are, are held to, but it's not higher than what the scripture commands, and it's not higher to what others are. Right. Every member, right outside of teaching and That's the responsibility right. to govern or to exercise authority, uh, it is the same for everyone. The difference is we expect to see those things. Uh, in place, these these marks of godliness, yeah. however imperfect they are, mm-hmm. in the life of our pastors, and and one of the marks of godliness uh, is the confession of sin. Yeah, the 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 open repentance of sin. The I mean, I've I've had to on a, on a few different occasions, I've had to sit down with people and members of the church and repent and ask for their forgiveness. We Be- just had to do that. Last week, yeah. So it, it, it's not like it happens every week or every month, but it has happened maybe five times over the last nine years. Where you know we, I've had to sit down, or Jimmy and I've had to sit down, uh, the other elders and I've had to sit down with a, a couple that we have hurt in some way, always unintentionally, to be honest. Uh, but no, nonetheless, still sin, and we've had to do that. That's that's an important part of being a leader is the the the, the readiness to repent. And to not justify sin. That's right. Yeah, not not trying to give yourself an out and saying, "Oh, I just made this mistake." Yeah, you know what I mean. And that that word, I hate that word, especially as a, as a leader, because um, a sin, sin. Right. Don't try to justify. I I I only did this once, or or don't try to blame. I, I feel like, and now I'm probably uh, ranting, you know, because I'm I'm thinking of examples that we've had recently where people were were sinning caught in their sin multiple times and they tried to justify it and blame others. Oh, it was the church that did this to me or it was right. it was my spouse that did this to me. Right. Right. And they caused me to do this. And or they, I, or they whitewash it. They like downplay the whole thing. It wasn't that big of a deal, guys. Yeah, it's or it, man, it's not really sin. It was just it was a goof. It was I just wasn't really thinking the right way. Exactly. You know, it, a sin is a sin and just call it out for what it is 
so that you can embrace the gospel and the forgiveness and the grace and the love and the mercy that we have in Christ. Mm. So what about when you're looking at leadership in a church, if somebody is, you know, they're, they're, they're checking out new churches and they're, you know, we've had some people join in the last couple of years and they were coming out of churches where the leadership was not healthy, we'll mm-hmm. say. And so they were paying very close attention to the leadership. In fact, one couple, um, they had listened to the sermons online. They had looked at the website, which does not feature a picture of me or the other elders. And, um, and they Googled me when they were on their way to church for the first Sunday. And uh, the husband saw, I think he saw the tattoos and he's like, oh no. <laughs> and then his wife saw the beard and she's like, Ugh, what are we doing? Um, but now they are happy, vital members of our congregation. Um, you know, they were able to put aside their, their preferences or some of those things uh, in order to get to know who we are and, and what we're actually doing. So when you're looking at, leadership, when you're talking to a person who's looking for a healthy church and the issue of leadership comes up, what are some of the things that stand out in your mind? What should they be looking for? Not just looking out for, like lack of accountability, lack of transparency. What should they be looking for? Um, I think first, love, right? And Romans 12, 9 through 13 says this, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with a brotherly affection. Mm. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. And so I think that that if your leadership, if your people don't love you, or if you don't love your people, you should not be in that position. Right. If you don't love the church, if you don't love the congregation, uh, if you don't love those that God has entrusted you with, you should not be serving in that role. Right. Not as elder. Not, a, not as pastor. Not as pastor. Not as elder. Not as deacon. Right. I don't even know how, in what way you should be serving, to be honest. Because if you're not going to have love mm-hmm. for the people, then why are you there? Look, look one of the, we're going to talk about uh, Jimmy's elder candidacy here in a little bit, but... Um, but this is true with Pastor Brian, whom we brought on, who has uh, complimentary gifts to Jimmy. They are both uh, very organized. They have good problem-solving skills. Uh, they're good at administration and oversight and things like that. And so when we're looking at guys like that, or in this case with Jimmy, um, we don't go, wow, that guy runs a huge business and he's able to handle things, so we're going to make him an elder. We first need to know, is he biblically qualified? Right. That's, that's the first, you know, first Timothy three, mm-hmm. but then also does he love, you know, with that, does he love the people? Does he love the church? Is he a shepherd for, even if he's going to be an executive pastor, that's right. Is he a shepherd first? Exactly. Then, then you look at his giftedness and does he, how does he complement the body and the elder team? That's, that's really important. So I think love is huge. That's really good. And I think, yeah, you can only shepherd if you love. And I think, you know, Jesus talks about that is that the shepherd gives his life for the sheep. That we, we lay ourselves down right. for God's people. You know, I, what does that look like? You know, I, I don't think that means be a doormat. I don't think that means, um, I don't think that means being timid. I don't think that means allowing others to, to persist mm-hmm. in their sin or in their unbelief. Uh, but I also don't think that means being hard nosed, right. aggressive and, uncaring. Well, let's just say it positively, right? Like in that passage, uh, John 10, right? Jesus says that the shepherd knows his sheep. Mm. He knows them. 
He knows them by name. If Jesus is our ultimate example of what a shepherd is supposed to be, then pastors, which means shepherds, they should know their people. Yeah. They should they should know them. They should care for them. Know their weaknesses, their strengths, what what they need. And no, not one pastor can know every single person in the church, no. but the elder team can. That's right. And and should. And and part of this, like you were saying, is just it's Philippians two three. Whoa, I mean it's uh, Philippians two three. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. You know, it's you know, the 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 office of pastor elder is an honor. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I mean, none of the elders at Redeemer feel like, man, I, I deserve to be an elder. They don't, they don't feel like mm-hmm. they've, that they deserve that. They feel honored to have that title bestowed upon them by the congregation. Yeah. And it's important then that they not begin, that we not begin to think of ourselves more highly than others because we happen to be the pastors, but rather in humility, we're supposed to consider others more significant than ourselves. That's really what should be driving us to lay down our lives. Yeah, exactly. Like Philippians 2, 4, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others, mm-hmm. right? Learning that, I would say that, that discipline, that spiritual gift of, of, of laying yourself down, laying your interests aside for others. You know, we're called to do that as husbands and wives, as as fathers and mothers, mm-hmm. uh, and we're also called as as elders and as leaders to be doing the same. And mm-hmm. as members, I would even I would argue as that as members, we are called to do that. It's not just a leadership thing. Right. This is this is right. an attitude. This is a mark of Christian humility uh, and of Christian love to be looking out for the interest of others. So with that, I think that what we really um, want to say is when you're when you're looking for leaders who love the congregation um, you're looking for leaders who are approachable mm-hmm. I remember when I was a new Christian um, you know I checked a box on the pa- on the connection card in the Baptist church and it said I'd like to talk to the pastor and so uh, later that week I got a phone call and um, and it, hey this is uh, pastor Dan is Joe there and I, I was trembling in fear mm. because I forgot that I checked the box and I thought I was in trouble. I have a, <laughs> I have a long history of being in trouble. I'm about to say it's a pretty safe assumption it's, with you. Yeah, especially especially back then, but sometimes today. And I was like, oh no, what's going on? And he said, he goes, hey man, you checked the box. I just thought we could hang out. And I was like, whoa, and this is this is crazy. And I, we went and sat down, and and it was it was helpful. And 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 he wasn't really this way. But as I went to other churches, I really began to see pastors seclude themselves from the congregation and to exist almost on another plane. They were different from me. They were super holy men. They were, they were, they, their Christianity was something that I would never reach. Mm-hmm. Like their faith was high above us. And I, I really started to think like, God wanted me to be a pastor, but I'm, I'm never going to be like those guys. I can't because yeah. I'm broken and really messed up. And it wasn't until I met a man who became, I joined his church and I got to see him in his house with his family, with his kids. And I could see him uh, as not just uh, a saint, but also as a sinner. Mm-hmm. In fact, I remember the first time I, I saw some real life with him, he and his son were, uh, were roughhousing in the living room. And so they were wrestling and throwing each other and like knocking over furniture and just having a great time. And uh, uh, the missus came down and she was not having it. 
she was not having horseplay in the mm-hmm. house. She starts like, no, I told you no horseplay in this house. What are you doing? And I saw, I saw the pastor get in trouble for, you know, goofing around in the house too much. And man, I've seen you get in trouble with Jeff. I get, I get in trouble. And it was just like, man, that was really, um, that was, that was good for me. And so what I, what I, what I needed to see were elders who were approachable. And I think that elders who love the congregation are open and ready to meet with people. But I also think elders that are humble, Mm-hmm. in that right where they they don't see themselves as above everybody else that's what you're talking about mm-hmm. where they they're natural they are themselves i mean i think of first corinthians ten twelve. you know therefore let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall there's that humility of understanding this office there's that humility and understanding that we are sinners just like everybody else right right and that we don't think of ourselves as above everyone else and that's the issue is that you know hey take heed Take heed, remember that, uh, lest you fall, lest you fail. Because I think often, I'm going to say it, I think we all fail to some degree or another. Uh, None of us are perfect. None of us have it all together. All of us struggle with sin. And so uh, acknowledging that, owning that, and confessing that Mm -hmm. to the people, and then receiving the grace of God along with our people is is big. And so not thinking that we're above. When we started coming to Redeemer, one of the things that that struck us, so we had we're up in Canada, my wife and I, you know, we we read Joe's book. Um, we in the bathroom, we, in the bathroom. Uh, it's a very short read. Um, note to self, pick it up, cross away, Amazon. Um, and we read the we read the statement of faith and we would listen to sermons. And but one of the things that really drew us in was Pastor Jeff. Mm-hmm. Pastor Jeff is the wisest elder uh good dad good dad great man good husband man just everything he's a total package if 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 there was an elder you want to be that's the man right and no seminary no seminary he's a landscape he owns a landscaping company yeah uh but full of the wisdom of god and the heart of god and what what really struck me and this also reflects my ignorance in leadership this is this reflects my sin uh, of arrogance when it comes to the pastorate was we would be taking our kids to the nursery and he was there nearly every single time. Mm-hmm. That man who's, you know, I don't know, you know, I don't know how old he is. Uh, he's an elder and you he's would, our eldest elder. He's our eldest elder. So he's in his fifties. Um, would be there waiting to receive our kids and he would watch our kids he would pray with our kids he'd play with our kids he'd change our kids Mm -hmm. and i I remember thinking to myself my gosh the humility on this guy and i kept thinking man if 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 this is a sign of the leadership of this church that they would be humble enough to watch to to watch the kids and be part of the nursery ministry that spoke volumes to me again it also speaks volumes to my arrogance Mm. in thinking before um as I, as I was in, as I was ministering, oh, I'm too good for the nursery. Right. I'm too good to serve in there. Put me up front to do announcements. You know what I mean? Right. Like put me up front where everyone can see me. Cause that's, that's where I'm better equipped to be. I don't want to be around baby poop. I don't want to be around baby poop. I'm too good for that. But for pastor Jeff, he never once and does not think he's too good at all. He says, this is where God has called me to serve. And I want to serve God's people in this way. 
Yeah, Jim, you know, this that reminded me of something that we got from uh, a guy named Austin. He sent us a message through our Facebook page. And here's his question. How do you respond to someone as a pastor when they, quote, criticize or correct you when, as their pastor, you know their life and their situation, and you know they aren't holding themselves to the same standard as they are holding you? Mm. How do you respond to someone like that when they try and correct you on something maybe you've said or done? Um, well, I, I think you know we've already sort of talked about that. But again, if you love the body if you're humble, if you're approachable, it shouldn't matter who the correction comes from if the correction is needed. It's going to hurt more in, yeah. the, in, in the sense of hurting your pride. Um, but this is what it means to, in humility, count others more significant uh, than yourselves. To, um, to be ready to receive the truth regardless of who it comes from. So I think that you know uh, what I'm. What I want to be as a leader, and what I think you should be looking for uh, in your leaders at the local church level, are are men that ha- are ready to repent, yeah. who are open about their weaknesses, and can receive criticism without uh, you know defending themselves and pushing back. You know, even like I've received criticism that isn't fair, and I take it seriously. Um, I talk about it with the elders. Yeah. We uh, make sure that we're on the same page. Um, if I think that it's unfair, I, I question, well, maybe it, maybe it's not. Maybe it is fair. And I pray about it. Um, I, I tend to feel those things. But uh, when the criticism is legitimate, then we need to lay aside uh, those defensive reactions or that defensive posture that we take because we think, well, this person, uh, maybe they're a train wreck and they're passing judgment on me. It doesn't, that's not the issue. The issue is your sin. Mm. And how how do you see that? You weren't queued up for anything else, were you? Uh, I am queued up, but I was going to go a different direction. So. Go ahead. So, I mean, yeah, those are some great things to be looking for, but I, I think let's also look to what Scripture says, because Paul mm-hmm. talks about that specifically uh, on what to be looking for. In, in Timothy and, and right here in Titus, uh, chapter 1, verses 5 to 9 says this, This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. So we have these, these examples or these, these words from Paul um, that first that they need to be above reproach. You know, that doesn't mean we're not going to make mistakes. That doesn't mean we're not going to sin. Uh, but that means that our lifestyle our, should reflect our character, and our character should reflect the godliness of of God, that we should be seeking his will in our lives as we are directing others to focus on him. We must not be arrogant, quick-tempered, or drunkard or violent, for, or greedy for gain, but hospitable. And most people aren't looking for those things, to be honest. 
No, no, they want what they want is that charismatic leader. Yeah, they, they want, want the guy that can bring it with the charisma. Yeah, the guy that can get you laughing. The guy that can that can draw a crowd. Yeah, the guy the guy that can speak well or eloquently or or whatever. That I think we're looking for the wrong things. We're looking for that person that will draw people to themselves. And I think that's that's wrong. We want the person that's going to draw us to Christ. Yeah, we want the person that's going to point us to Jesus, and that's going to that's going to uh, point out the sin in our lives. That's going to use the Word of God and the Spirit of God uh, is going to convict us of our sins and of our need for God's grace. Yeah, yeah. We 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 like the personality. Mm-hmm. You know, we 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 like the the talking head. Um, is part of that because we want the large church? I mean, I'm, I'm being serious. Yeah. Is that part of it is, is we want the, the lead pastor that's going to grow the church so that it almost feels like, oh, gosh, God is blessing us abundantly because look at how big our church is. Look at, look at our building. Look at our ministries. Look at our staff. Like, do, you, do you understand what I'm saying? I think some people want that, yeah. I think, I think other people, they just want their own personal guru. Or they just want the guy that's going to disseminate wisdom uh, or answer their problems. Most, so a lazy Christianity. Yeah, we don't want a shepherd mm. who's going to say, hey, you're wandering. You need to come back here. And look, I, you know, there, it, it, it's a compliment when someone says to me, based even just on the sermons, like, man, I, I love that you are open about your own struggles because it helps me to see that, that you are a real man, that, mm. you, that you have sins. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't want them to only be able to relate to me because of sin in my life. Yeah. I want them to see Christ in me. I, I, right. I, I want to be known as a man who loves Jesus and loves the church. That's what I want to be known as. I don't want to be known merely as a man who is open about his sinfulness. I don't want to be simply known as a man that can communicate, but also as a leader who cares. So it needs to be all of these things. And when you're looking at a, a local church and um, you, maybe you're, you're considering uh, uh, joining a church or you're kind of trying to figure out, like, is our, our leadership team healthy? Uh, these are things that you want to consider. Not that any one man is going to be perfect in these areas, yeah. but that when there is a lapse, there is repentance. There is confession. And that overall, what you see in them is uh, the fruit of, of, of Christ, the fruit of the Spirit, working in them. So, look, Jim, uh, people want to know mm-hmm. about the elder candidacy. Yep. It's been about 11 months. 11 months. So, we, when we bring on an elder, um, the first thing that we do as elders who are already uh, in place is we are in prayer about the team and the needs of the church, and we are looking for uh, a man who is biblically qualified who is already beginning to do the work in terms of like, you know, he's, a, he's a leader that people tend to follow. Um, he uh, can handle the scripture well. Um, he's a shepherd's heart. We're looking at all of these things and we're specifically looking for one who will complement the current weaknesses of mm-hmm. the team. And as we do that, we're looking at the, the, the number of men who are qualified to be elders in our church and as we zero in on the one or two men that we want to bring onto the team, uh, we then approach them, talk to them, then we interview them and their wife together. And when we're Which was all- scary, by the way. Were you freaked out? Oh, I was freaked out. Your wife wasn't freaked out. No, because she's like, oh, I'm going to let it all out. I'm going to tell them everything <laughs> about you. <laughs> so we bring him in, and if all the elders are good, and we think that this guy is qualified and would serve the church well, we then announce that man to the church as an elder 
candidate. Mm-hmm. And that means that the church has 12 months minimum to watch this uh, man serve in the church. He's in all the elders' meetings. He's being mentored and coached by the elders. He's reading books. He's writing papers and things like that. At the end of that period, once he has completed all of his responsibilities and he's been exercising ministry responsibilities and whatnot, um, he is then brought before the church for a vote. And the church will vote, yes or no, on this man or the two men that we might be bringing on at a particular time. And uh, we expect our body, if they have any concerns, to be bringing those up along the way uh, to approach us or to approach him. And that way, when we get to the final stage, there really isn't much discussion to be had. There is simply an oral exam. Mm -hmm. And uh, at the end of that, um, a large paper that has to be written. And then they... So there's there's an oral exam? Oh, yeah, there is. (laughs) It's going to be awesome. Is that the one Brian did? uh, Everybody has done the oral exam. Yeah. Yeah, you have to do the big systematic theology paper. Yeah, yeah. And That's then, easy. And then you have to do the oral exam. Yeah, man. It's worse than the dentist. going to get all up in your business. So, Jim, why don't you explain a little mm-hmm. bit about your experience as an elder candidate and what was really helpful for you and uh, what you're looking forward to in the future? Um, I think, first off, it's, it's extremely humbling. Just this... Uh, this this, I don't know, gift, this, this grace, this mercy that God, um, that you guys as as an elder team, um, and hopefully Lord will in the church would, uh, affirm that God has called me to ministry. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's, it's incredibly humbling, um, to be called, to be called to serve God's people, uh, in such an honoring way. Um, and so I, I, I've really wrestled with that, this sense of I'm, I'm, I don't feel like I deserve it. I don't feel like I'm worthy of it. Um, I, in a lot of ways, I feel like, man, uh, why should I get to do this? You know, um, so it's incredibly humbling. Um, I think doing it a year long is fantastic because uh, I, I don't feel like part of it, too, is that it that year process is great because it gets it it lets me become comfortable with the elders and the mm-hmm. elders comfortable with me. Cause like you said, for the first few months, it was a struggle for me. It was a, it was a struggle for me going to the meetings. You were I, weird. Well, not just, here's the thing. It wasn't, it wasn't like I just went to the meetings. You guys had me run the meetings. Yeah. Run that meeting, run that meeting. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh my gosh, what am I doing? And so it's like hard because I'm in the meeting and I'm, um, directing the meeting and I'm calling on elders uh, for certain tasks and saying, okay, where are you at with this? Why, why is that not done? Mm-hmm. You know, why are we dropping the ball on this? We had so, to tell you, like, Jimmy, that, that's why we want you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, need, we need somebody to tell us what's up. And so, you know, it, it takes a while and the comfort level, but then also um, because of the way I am wired specifically, because of the way I am wired, I will... I am a control freak, right? So, you know, with the whole business and, and doing that kind of stuff, I'm, I have a harder edge to myself. And so going through this process has softened that, um, learning that, you know, you, you always kind of say it and you know it that the church is not a business, but functionally you act like it, especially with someone with, with my giftings. You act like the church is a business. Um, and so you make decisions and, and you're kind of short with people and, and you just kind of say all matter of factly, this is how it is, because that's that's the way you talk. That's the way I operate on a day to day basis. 
um, is A plus B equals C. And so that's it. Move on. Um, so working with you guys and having you guys uh, correct me and encourage me has softened that edge to where now, like as I'm speaking with people, I'm trying to look at it more, as you mentioned at the beginning, as a shepherd, right? As, as shepherding the congregation, shepherding the individuals, actually uh, being quiet and listening to what they have to say instead of just trying to jump in there and correct. Yeah. Uh, so that's been good. But the other part that's really been extremely helpful has been and extremely eye-opening uh, has been going with you guys on visitations. So working with elders, and I'm thinking of Jeff, Jeff specifically, as him and I would, would meet with uh, members of the congregation who are going through issues, uh, who are going through struggles, who are fighting temptation, and learning what it is to counsel people, to shepherd them, to love them, to rebuke them, to correct them, and to call them to godliness. And so that's been really helpful for me that, you know, in, in school, they talk a lot about church. They talk a lot about ecclesiology and they talk a lot about doctrine. Yeah. But what they, I feel that's missing in some regards, and I'm not saying this, this is not a blanket statement for everybody, every, every institution, but there is missing this practicality that they don't tell you how do you walk alongside someone that's possibly losing their child or yeah. has lost Right. A child, or how do you walk alongside someone that um, is unfaithful to their spouse? Yeah, and the seminary can't really do that. They can give you examples, but it's, it's not the same. You've it's not be the same in as the sitting local a, church. It's not the same as sitting next to somebody and having to call them out and say, "I feel like you're lying right now. I mm-hmm. feel like I'm getting you know you're you're just telling me what I want to hear, and it, this is this is not right." And so it's. It's vastly different. And, and so even through that, though, watching the elders handle that and watching the elders, not just watching the elders, but sensing the love that I can only speak in my context, that the elders at Redeemer have for the people of Redeemer. And you could see that. You could see that in, in the humility. So that's been really eye opening for me is just going with you guys is going with you guys and praying with people, talking with people, counseling people, loving people has been really impactful for me. Mm. I, I'm going to talk about that with my dad, right? Um, and and um, just sharing with him like, man, this is nowhere what I kind of thought at first, right? Because when I, when I ministered before, it wasn't at this level to, to that degree. I wasn't really brought in as, as an elder. They didn't bring me in to make, you know, they, they wanted me just to run programs. Right. Um, but here, what you guys are, have been asking me to do is to shepherd people. Yeah. And that's been, uh, it's been a huge twist for me. And that's, you know, for us at Redeemer, and I think for any healthy church, they recognize that pastors slash elders are fundamentally shepherds. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the book that we make all of our guys read, one we actually make them read a lot, but one of the books that we make them read is um, Whitmer's book, The Shepherd Leader. Yes, great book. And it, if you haven't read that, if you're a pastor, uh, elder, and you haven't read that, Love then that you need to take your team through that book. Um, very, very helpful because it is easy, like Jimmy says, to slip into business mode, to slip into get it done mode. Mm-hmm. And really what, what Whitmer is saying in that book is, is your primary calling, your primary calling is not to make decisions, right? That sometimes is a big part of it. Um, but your primary calling is to shepherd people. Yeah. And that require to do that well 
requires um, a heart that has been gripped by the gospel, which gives birth to a love for the people uh, in the church and even those outside of the church. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the other parts about the year-long process that I think is really beneficial is at the end of it, the church can say no. Yeah. I mean, that's a reality of the situation Mm -hmm. is the church can say no. And I think that is, uh, that's a blessing of God Mm -hmm. to not allow me to be put in a situation where I'm going to fail and not allow the church to be put in in a situation to be led by an unqualified leader. Right. Cause I think a lot, I think sometimes, sometimes elders get, um, what's the word for it? Established. They get called, they get, or I don't know. What do you, what do you, what do you call it? Yeah, they uh, get placed. They get, yeah. I don't know, whatever they, they get elders get put too quickly mm-hmm. into leadership that are not quite ready. They might be ready down the line, yeah. but they're not ready now. And the church should be a part, the congregation should be a part of that process mm-hmm. of, of saying, yes, this guy is ready. Uh, we love this guy. We see him doing the work. Uh, one, of the, one of the big mistakes that happens in most, uh, I don't know about most church plants, one of the common mistakes I see made in church plants is the establishment of elders too quickly. Yeah. And it, it's part of it just because you want that team. Yeah, you, you want that feeling of, hey, we're moving somewhere, and now you're committed. you got to be committed. You're an elder. And things have got to get done. Yep. Like, I never would have survived uh, the first three years of Redeemer without the elders around me. Never would have been able to handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm way too weak. Um, but to have men that really shoulder the burden and really shepherd the congregation together made all the difference in the world. I mean, we've seen this up close, what happens. I've, I've seen it in, in church plants um, where... A person is installed as That's an elder. The word installed. That's yeah. the word. You couldn't. You couldn't just say that. I, I, and here I, I am going three or four different words. I like to let you go. I let you say debauchery earlier. It's debauchery, but whatever. No, whatever. Debauchery. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> That's how you say it. Um, we, we've seen it happen where they uh, they you know install an elder too quickly, and then yeah. that elder becomes a real problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you want to take your time. Um, you you want them to be tested. You yes. you want them to be watched. And, and, and that can't happen unless they are with the elders doing the work before the whole congregation. That's, that's really what needs to be happening. That's right. Absolutely. Cool. So get ready for your oral exam. It's going to be great. Looking forward to it. I'm going to invite all my Presbyterian pastors to come in. And oh, great. Help. It's going to be great. All I'm going to tell them is I'm going to sprinkle them babies. Oh, they'll love you for that. I know. That's why. All, okay. all I need them to do is love me, and then I won't sprinkle the babies. All right. I'm going to bring in the megachurch pastors then. What are you going to tell them? I, I like fog machines. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't. You're be lying. But I'll get installed. Okay. Um, well, look, if, um, if, if you are concerned about the leadership in your church, um, I would encourage you uh, to be humble, to be prayerful, to not have a divisive spirit, uh, but to go to them and to talk to them. Um, right. If you're looking for a church, and one of the things you should be looking at is the leadership team. And I would pay close attention, schedule a sit down, ask them how they function. I love it when people sit down and they ask me um, how our elders function, how yeah. the pastor's authority actually works itself out in a practical how way. How decisions made. Yep. I think that's, that's, that's really, really good. Um, ultimately, though, recognize that no church is perfect. Every church is broken in one way or another because yeah. we are all sinners. So be patient with the church where God has placed you. And... Um, you too should be setting an example for other believers mm-hmm. in your speech and your doctrine and your purity and your faith. So let's make that uh, a, a big note. Now, one last thing. 
um, is what about those that are aspiring to leadership? What would you say to those individuals? Yeah, if 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 you are if you sense a calling, and this is another question we got about calling. We'll talk about that later in another episode. But if you sense God's calling on your life to to be a pastor, to be a leader, um, the first thing I would do is uh, if you're married, I would talk to your spouse. Yeah. Um, see what she thinks. Um, if she sees it, if um, if if she's on board. Um, talk to your elders about it. If she's not on board, go ahead and talk to your elders about it. They should be able to guide you through what it means to serve your wife and put her first. That's right. But um, talk to your wife if you're married. Uh, talk to your elders and see what they say. I went to a church early on when I sensed this calling, and I went to the pastor and I said, hey, I think God's called me to be a pastor. I'm applying to Moody Bible Institute, and all I got was a handshake and good luck. Hmm. That That's was very it. helpful. Yeah. I wasn't looking for a chance to preach. I was just looking for some shepherding. Yeah. I didn't get it from that church. So you talk to your elders. They, they should be able to guide you and, and to help you. And listen, read The Reformed Pastor by Richard Baxter. Good book. Uh, it will humble you and uh, cause you to work through some really important issues. And you're going to feel like crud. Yeah. I'm sorry. You're going to feel like crud. You're going to doubt your salvation. <laughs> and then if you're, then you'll, you'll, You'll know that you're a believer, and then you'll doubt your calling to ministry. Not only that, how many visitations did that guy do a day? You got to see, man. I, I can't even understand it. I can't even understand. The, the guy did like 50 visitations a day. Yeah, but now we got Snapchat. Oh, now we can Snapchat visit? Yeah, that's how I do it. That's not how you do it? Snapitate? Yeah. <laughs> Sna- that's a terrible idea. Visit chat. Visit chat. You know what? Yeah, okay, I'm not going to go on Instagram stories. It's so stupid. And I see you keep doing it. Stop it. No, man, the Instagram stories are good. No, it's dumb. Don't do it. No, I'm doing it all the time. I just did one while you were talking. No, you did. Did you really? I did, too. Why? Yeah. It's so dumb. No, it's not. Everybody likes that. No one likes it. Why is everybody doing it? Everybody's doing it. Okay. Everybody's doing it? You got like three followers. That's why you can't tell. My whole, I got my whole top bar is filled with people that are. Uh, okay, hold on. It. Just because people are on your top bar, that doesn't mean you have more followers. That means you follow more people than you have following you. You go ahead and look at my followers and see how many I follow. Whatever. Anyways, it's <laughs> I follow like 800 people. I got like 10,000 followers. What do you got? You don't have 10,000. You have 5,000. On, on Twitter, I got 10, Okay, 000. yeah, yeah. Way to go, dude. I don't, I don't, know, I don't know what I got. I, I actually don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, thanks for, um, thanks for listening as we're working through these things. And follow me more than Joe. Yeah, please. Somebody follow Jimmy. He's at all Jay out there. At Fowler 63 Yeah, great name. Jay Fowler 63 I got Joe Thorne. Yeah, okay. But I got, I, there, someone already had Jay Fowler. Yeah, you were late to that party. I was late to, I was late to the whole oh social gosh. media party. Jay you Fowler had to convince 64. me to do Twitter. Yeah, you got to get on that. Like, hey, dude, I, actually, you had to get, convince me to get on Facebook. Yeah. I, I was sharing with my wife. You were what, sharing? That's right, I remember. Yeah, yeah. Which meant your wife did it. Yeah, I was never on there. All of a sudden, she would tell me these things. Hey, like, you people with your shared on the <laughs> Facebook thing, don't do that. Get your own thing. She would sit there and be like, hey, your friend from high school sent you a message. He wants it's, to hang it's out. It's weird when you, when you share. And here's another thing. Christmas is going to come up pretty soon here, right? Like we're in the summer. It's going to mm-hmm. be fall. Then be, when you're get, so now's the time to start getting your Christmas card ideas ready. I don't want to see pictures of your kids. Don't send me Christmas cards with a picture of your kids on the cover. That's annoying. Now, you and your kids, that's all good. I like that. I'll see the whole family. I'm not friends with your kids. I don't want to see your kids. Nobody cares about your kids. Your kids' friends cares about your kids. So That's really a weird thing for you, you not to like. You and your wife or your whole family, don't annoy me with your kids. Okay, there. 
got that off my chest. I love that shepherding heart of yours. I feel, I'm shepherding now. I'm telling them, watch out. Watch out for what? Watch out for Joe? Watch out for the wolves of putting your kids first, making them into an idol. Something like that. That was pretty good. That know. was a nice little Jesus juke you had there. You, I, you can't see the look on Joe's face when he said that. Yeah. He didn't even believe what he said. No, I don't believe anything I say, uh, unless I'm reading the Bible. So if you, um, if you want to help us out here at D&D, you can leave us a review at iTunes. That's mm-hmm. always really- Honest review, five stars. Five, give us a five-star review. A couple of you guys gave four stars. What? Have you even listened to the other podcasts out there? We, All right. Yeah, we're so, five stars compared to them. Um, follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, at Doc and Devo. You can find us on Facebook. Um, we'd love for you to uh, give us comments, uh, ideas. You can contact us through our website at the uh, Contact Us page. Mm-hmm. And we want you to tell a friend. Uh, if you like this, then share it with others and uh, help Sharing this thing to grow. Caring. We really want to encourage people and uh, all of you guys participating make this better. Finally, a big shout out to Justin Bond of J Bond Media. He's the man. He's the audio and engineering wizard behind uh, Doctrine and Devotion. Uh, if you've got any video or audio needs, you need to hit him up. You could see him in the credits. Uh, for each episode, just click on it, contact him, get it done, and hopefully soon we get to announce some great news. Yeah, we'll see. We're we're uh, we're praying for Justin and for how God is using him mm-hmm. in all of his giftedness and creative endeavors. And man, I really pray that he is not keeping a catalog of all of the outtakes of our podcast to some do something with them uh, in, in a nefarious way. Why that, would you say that? Well, because no, he's got a lot of material. Give ideas. Don't give him ideas. All right, well, he's a smart guy. He's already got him. Thanks for tuning in. We are back every Monday and Thursday, so be sure and check it out. And uh, you can subscribe to us at iTunes or uh, Stitcher, Google Play, all that stuff. We're pretty much everywhere, I think, at this point. Yeah, if you can't afford iTunes, I'm pretty sure there's there's Google. Well, isn't iTunes free? Yeah, but if they can't afford an iPhone, I'm really trying to get to. You can get iTunes on a... On like uh, Android, can you really? Yeah, I don't think it works too good. Though. It's like a, it's a poor man's version. Yeah, I, we like Apple products. Everybody hates. Some people hate us for that. Well, yeah, it's because some people don't know the Lord. <laughs> so thanks for listening. Uh, we're looking forward to the next uh, episode. We've already got some ideas, and uh, uh, we'll be sitting down uh, in a few days to do another. Later. Later.